Greetings and welcome to the OK Jazz Podcast, episode number 163, Sunday, August 26th, 2023. My name is James Hussain Catchpole, Mr. OK Jazz, coming to you as always from the rough, gritty, and very festive hot streets of North Yokohama, right here in the Tokyo metropolitan area of Eastern Japan, the world's largest megacity. I'm a freelance broadcaster and music writer, and this podcast is pretty much whatever's been on my playlists recently. No borders or genres, just a whole lot of great tunes. Minasama, OK Jazz, and Yokozo, the 163rd episode of the Tokyo Jazz site, TokyoLRadio.com, no James is saying catch, but Mr. OK Jazz, there goes Well, fantastic new music there to kick off this episode. That comes from band leader, composer, vibraphonist, and scholar Cecilia Smith. And it's the lead-off track to her really amazing new album, The Mary Lou Williams Resurgence Project, Volume 1, Small Ensemble Repertoire. And it was a tune called Sketch One, Truth Be Told. This is a really interesting project. Reading from the Innova Label website notes, uh, building on a long track record of scholarship and artistry focused on the great Mary Lou Williams, vibraphonist and composer Cecilia Smith is announcing the release of her new album from her Mary Lou Williams Resurgence Project through immersion in the Williams Archive at the Institute for Jazz Studies. Smith and her top-tier bandmates put their unique stamp on music either composed by Williams, composed in honor of her, or arranged and recorded by Williams during her lifetime. I found this to be such an interesting album, and Mary Lou Williams is such a major figure in jazz history, not only as a great pianist and a driving force in the swing era, she was also a mentor to musicians such as Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk and other figures who developed the whole bebop scene in the 1940s. And she was also a great composer of very large-scale works. She was a true jazz titan in the 20th century. I'm ashamed to admit, I'm really still a beginner uh, learning about the music of Mary Lou Williams, and even more of a confession, I only first heard of Cecilia Smith just when getting this album a couple weeks ago, despite her very long career as a composer and a member of many different bands. Well, this album is certainly better than your usual boring tribute album. Um, That opening track we heard, for example, that's actually a Cecilia Smith original, but one that incorporates various motifs from Mary Lou Williams' compositions. So a real fascinating project, definitely worth checking out, and it really swings as well in addition to the academic side of it. That's Cecilia Smith. Well, all right, what's happening? If you follow me on social media, you'll know I've been out and around. I've been taking copies of the Tokyo Jazz Joints photo book to various cafe owners and important jazz people in the area. A lot of fun spreading the word, and, you know, feedback on the book so far has been really positive. So Philip and I are really proud, and, you know, we're eager to continue the project, too, so don't think that we're done exploring jazz joints just because the book is not here. I think I mentioned last episode, I visited my 300th jazz spot uh, just a few weeks ago and still got at least another 150 on the list uh, all around Japan to get to, so stand by for plenty more jazz kisa geekiness for me over the next couple years. Not much more to get into with me. Um, I do have one big music project I'm just getting started with, but we can wait to share those details for later. Now, uh, man, I'm so bored with this endless, exhausting hot weather that we've been having. I do hope you enjoyed the last episode of the podcast, though, my hot summer special mix. We're at the end of August here, still very hot and sweaty in the streets, um, but I can see the finish line a couple more weeks, hopefully, until we get into some more milder weather. But I am going to keep the music hot today, at least for the first half of the show. 
We've got some great tunes, old and new, from Brazil, Jamaica, the U.S., and then something a little bit special. Uh, last week, I got to interview the wonderful musician Brandy Younger before her live set at the Tokyo Blue Note. We only had about 15 minutes or so, unfortunately, but uh, Brandy was very generous with her thoughts and comments about her music and career, so I think you're going to enjoy that chat. But all that and more, but first up, yet another great release in the Jazz is Dead series from Adrian Young and Ali Shaheed Muhammad. That's their awesome project that not only brings back some older jazz veterans into the spotlight, but allows them to take music forward into a lot of new directions. We've heard from this series several times here on OK Jazz, and I'm very excited about their latest. It's a collaboration with the great Tony Allen, the master drummer from Nigeria, recorded shortly before he passed away. If you don't know who Tony Allen was, very quick intro. He was from Nigeria, but aside from traditional Yoruba Juju music, he was also in love with jazz. Um, he was a big fan of people like Art Blakey, Max Roach, and Elvin Jones. And those were musicians who had begun to experiment with West African rhythms and musical ideas. Well, Tony Allen was inspired then to sort of develop a drumming style that fused high life music from West Africa with the jazz that he loved. But then in the 1960s, he met Fela Kuti, and by the 70s, those two had morphed all of their influences into what we, of course, know as Afrobeat. Afrobeat was music that was very political in nature, but also incredibly funky. Well, throughout his time with Fela Kuti in Africa 70, um, Tony Allen introduced a completely new way of conceptualizing rhythms. I mean, if you go back and listen to some of those early Fela Kuti albums, it's almost impossible to think what he was playing on the drums. So widely beloved by music fans all around the world, it is so cool we've got this one last recording from Tony Allen in collaboration with Adrian Young from the Jazz Is Dead project. So let's dive into it from volume 018. I can't believe they're up to their 18th release already in this series, that's amazing. Check out this one called Oladipo from Tony Allen and Adrian Young. Okay Jazz, episode number 163, Ikimashou!
Super hip new music that comes from Dominico Lancelotti. He is a Brazilian samba songwriter and performer. Here he's going in a really cool new direction. That's in collaboration with Ricardo Gomez. And the guys were using a whole bunch of vintage old Soviet era Russian analog synthesizers on this album, overlaying guitars and some other instruments. I've certainly not heard any samba music like this before, but I really loved it. It was very quirky and all kinds of cool. The tune was called uh, Dija. And the album, Saramba, that's S-R-A-M-B-A, recorded in Lisbon, Portugal. And it's out on the always amazing Mais Um label. And as the liner notes say, this record is Roots Samba Infiltrated by Machines. That is a cool phrase I would never have imagined hearing. Definitely want to hear some more from this guy. I, I'm brand new to Domenico uh, Lancelotti, but he is a veteran of the samba scene in Rio for, for a couple decades now. Uh, but this album certainly is going in a whole new way. All right, that got me in a mood for more samba, so I called an audible and decided to sort of shake up the playlist a little bit just very suddenly. Let's go back and hear one vintage one then from one of the queens of samba music and a favorite of mine, Clara Nunez, from her album Conto de Area, 
What can you really say about such a beautiful voice like Clara Nunez? I don't speak a word of Portuguese, and yet I hang on every word that she sings. Let's have a listen to this one called Portela na Avenida. Clara Nunez here on OK Jazz. O Samba! Nossa Senhora Aparecida Que vai se arrastando E o povo na rua cantando É feito uma reza, um ritual É a procissão do samba Abençoando a festa do divino carnaval Cortela É a deusa do samba, o passado Essa voz que me chama Portela Sobre a tua bandeira Esse divino manto Tua águia é Espírito Santo No tempo Do samba As pastoras E os pastores Vem chegando Da cidade da favela Para defender As tuas cores Como fiéis na Santa Mí Salve o samba, salve a samba, salve ela Salve o manto azul e branco 
all-time classic tune there. I think you will know that one, of course, Toots and the Maytals with Sweet and Dandy. I know that's a song that many OK Jazz listeners probably have heard hundreds of times over the years, but two reasons to share it again. Uh, first, it's just perfect. And two, it's the 50th anniversary of the film and soundtrack, The Harder They Come. That was the movie and accompanying album that introduced a lot of people around the world to reggae music. And uh, it's really just a flawless soundtrack. Jimmy Cliff, of course, doing the title track. He was the star of the film. But it also includes Toots and the Maytals, Desmond Decker, The Melodians, pretty much just a perfect set and a really great movie too so i wanted to shout that one out never get tired of those songs at all on that soundtrack okay you know there's still so much new music coming out of jamaica actually for such a small island um i'll admit i don't enjoy a lot of the new heavy dance hall these days i kind of find it a little bit boring but um oh you know what just a quick detour someone asked me the other day about the very popular genre of music uh, from the Caribbean called reggaeton. They thought that that was uh, a phrase used for contemporary Jamaican music. Um, I know a lot of listeners of OK Jazz my age or older, maybe not up to date on some of the current sounds on the charts, but reggaeton is not from Jamaica. It comes from Puerto Rico and originally. Uh, now you can hear reggaeton acts from a bunch of the different islands in the Caribbean. But it's a mixture of Latin, hip-hop, dance hall, and electronic music. Very, very up-tempo. Um, again, a little bit dull for me. A um, few good tracks here and there. Maybe I'll get something on the, on the pod going forward. Uh, but yeah, reggaeton, not from Jamaica. Okay, but let's stick with the good stuff. Some good old roots reggae from Jamaica. The In A De Yard Project I introduced a couple years back on an episode. It's a kind of a super group of Jamaican music veterans. Well, this kind of gathering is very popular since the huge success of the Buena Vista Social Club in Cuba. A lot of different countries are uh, doing similar types of recordings. Sometimes they get a little bit stale, but this group, In A De Yard, with musicians such as Winston McEnough and Jody Mowat, I really enjoyed. They did several albums together, and there was even a 2019 documentary film about the group. Well, the new release is a duet between Winston McGonough and Johnny Osborne. He's the songwriter of the well-known tune Baltimore, done by Nina Simone years back. So let's get into it. This is their version of Baltimore by Inna De Yard from Jamaica. Yeah. Waiting for a train. 
hear you, baby. I'm coming home to you, baby. I hope you will be satisfied. I'm coming home. And I hope you will be satisfied. Cause I've been gone so long, darling. And I'm just tired of you crying. I wanna know I wanna know I wanna know baby You know you know I really wanna know Is you mad with me I promise you I won't ever leave no more Since I've been gone Have anyone walked in and take my place? Somebody else done taken my place. All right, all right, my friend.
really deep cut there from one of my favorite blues singers, Sonny Boy Williamson II. What a voice he had. That was Coming Home to You Baby. You know, it's really funny. I've heard this song how many dozens of times, and I only just noticed for the other day that there was one incredibly naughty lyric in it. Not sure if you caught that, but wow. Go back and see if you can, <laughs> see if you can find it. Those old blues guys did not hold back at all. And before that, we heard brand new music from Zambia in Southern Africa. Now, a couple years ago, I introduced the band Witch. They were leaders of the short-lived Zamrock scene back in the 1970s. Uh, their records were never really available outside of Zambia, but in 2011, there was a great reissue of their original recordings. Now, uh, unfortunately today, only singer Emmanuel Jagari Chanda remains from the original band, uh, but he's reformed with some other musicians and they've put out a new album called Zango. There are some pretty crazy stories about how this recording came together. I would recommend, if you're interested, check out the long article at sonicpr.uk website where you can read all about it. Well, the song that we heard there was called Nsingile, which translates to Let Me Ride in the Bemba language of northeastern Zambia. And guesting on vocals uh, was Keith Kabwe. He's another former band leader and vocalist of the group Anaz, another Zamrock band of the era. All right, so I mentioned on the top of the show, I went to hear Brandy Younger play last week during her short visit to Japan. Uh, Brandy's a harpist and one of the more interesting musicians in the last couple years for me. I've played a lot of her music here on the pond. And uh, I was very lucky to get to sit down with her for a fun and short chat about her music and career. Um, first, let's hear a tune from her album, Somewhere Different, from a couple years back called Tickled Pink. And then we'll dive into that interview uh, before hearing some more music. So settle in. This is the wonderful Brandy Younger from New York City.
welcome back to Japan. This is not your first time, though. This is my third time. Right, but it's been quite a while. Yeah, so we did Blue Note in like 2017, but then we did Cotton Club right before the pandemic. Oh, that's right, right before. Okay. It was in November. I missed that, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about, uh, Brandy, if it's okay. So, the, the new album, um, which is fantastic, it's going to be one of my best of the year. Love oh, it. Thank <laughs> so, congratulations. You. Congratulations on that. Um, but what I, what I wanted to talk about more was maybe a little bit more about some, some broader topics in the music world and in the jazz world. I think the new album's got a lot of coverage in Japan, both in Japanese and in English. I know you've been interviewed a lot since you've been here just for a couple days. Um, so I kind of wanted to start first and, you know, I first discovered you, I guess it was right before the pandemic, 2019. Um, so the last three albums is the work I know from you. Okay. And what always really struck me right away was, you know, um, before I knew anything about you, I was like, okay, this artist is going a lot of different directions. <laughs> um, but it's going to be introduced as a jazz musician for various reasons, you know? Everyone likes the box. <laughs> Yeah, I think as well that, you know, there's a lot of discussion over the years about the terms jazz versus black American music. So I think I'd like to ask you a two-part question is, how do you view those two very broad genres and the history of black American music with all its various branches? And where do you see yourself fitting into it? You know, it's, it's a topic for like Nicholas Payton to elaborate on for for hours and hours, but you know, I do think that the music, black American music, you know, there there's a lot of music that is black American music and a lot of music that has come from it. Um, and also just people, everyone has their opinions about what it is, not just what it's called, but what it is. And I do think that a better broad term is black American music because that's what it is. Um, and I think that stylistically, you know, it, it evolves, the sounds change, you know, um, someone was just posting on, on somewhere, Instagram or something the other day, like, no, the jazz fests are, are booking jazz, you know, and it's just like, uh. but it's a struggle because even in classical music where all my training is, um, you know, everyone's playing the, the classics. And some of the audience is just like tired of it, but not really accepting of a lot of the new stuff. And so it's it's a it's a challenge across the board. It's not jazz specific. So when you travel and, and now that you're leading your own bands because you've had a very long career playing with a lot of different people, but now you're leading your own groups going around the world, um, how do you prefer how do you wish your audiences would see your music okay I actually thank you for asking because literally no one ever asked <laughs> I would actually prefer to just in terms of me just consider me a harpist without the label in front of it especially part of it is respect um, all of my schooling is in classical music uh, my real life experience is is in other genres you know in my upbringing my cultural upbringing um, but I prefer to just be referred to as a harpist and then in terms of like how I would describe my music sometimes I'll say well like jazz-ish soul-ish mm. <laughs> <laughs> or, or as people say jazz adjacent you know yeah. because especially like this last record for example mm. it's, it's 
I didn't think, actually maybe the past couple records, I didn't think genre specific. I just thought like, what do we want to do with this? And try to not think about how people would receive it. You know, and how did you how did you get to that point? Because I think when you say that you'd like people to just see you as a harpist, but I know f- from my own, you know, listening, I, if somebody says they're a harpist, I immediately think, you know, classical know, music in the hotel lobby. So can we think like contemporary, mm-hmm. modern, and mm-hmm. use terms that aren't music specific? Even though now you can't say contemporary because when we say modern or contemporary, mm-hmm. we think modern classical, right? Right. So it's like there's no word. Mm-hmm. But I think contemporary is the proper word, but musically speaking, it's mm. not contemporary classical. Mm. So, well, but that's interesting because I, I had I had the the latest album on at home, and my kids uh, who both listen to a lot of music, but they they walked in, they were like, "Wait, well, is is that a harp?" <laughs> and then my daughter, is that a, is that a hip hop beat? <laughs> and I, you know, because they they hadn't heard the record before, and and they were quite intrigued. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this is the this is the woman I'm going to be speaking to," and and she brings in a lot of these elements. And so they found it really interesting. So that's specifically unique to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up on Long Island mm-hmm. um, in Hempstead. And um, I grew up listening to hip hop. So that's what I was listening to. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm studying classical music, but I wanted my instrument to fit in to my personality and what I was doing. But also a lot of it was I remember my mom would say, you know, when you do this performance next week, could you play something that people recognize? My mom was like stuck on that. And at first I would get annoyed because I'm working all hard to get this classical rep together and I want to play what I've been practicing. And she's like, you can do that, but then also play something people know. And that's what they're most receptive to. So part of that is in the back of my head because what can I relate to? I want to hear a groove. That, that, I think, is most important to me. Did you grow up hearing both of that European classical, but also, you know, modern black American music at the same time in the home, right? Yeah, and I would say less classical music. The mm. classical music that I grew up on was the stuff that you would, like, hear, that you would learn in school, oh, okay. on TV. I wasn't deep into it until I started studying the instrument, because mm. then it's, like, opened the whole door of French oh, sure. I was like, yes! <laughs> you know, and that, yeah. that's what spoke to me the most in terms of harp repertoire. Okay, I um, last on that particular point, um, and then I've got just one other topic to go to. But but when when I first came to Japan many years ago, and I remember I saw in the record store, this was back in nineteen ninety seven, and I saw a, a black music section, and I'd never seen, and I was like, whoa, oh, what's that? What's that? Like, is this some weird not understanding? Is this, could this be offensive? Whatever. But but actually, over time, I began to realize that many Japanese fans uh, had an almost instinctual understanding that whether it was soul or funk records or hip-hop or even there was like a gospel record in there. Oh, this is soul soul black black. music. And and they had no... uh, Interestingly, though, they kept jazz... Separate! (laughs) (laughs) Jazz was its completely separate... Not even in the same building. It's a different record store. You know? We're holding you right here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, jazz is a very uh, unique and special place in in, in the Japanese music world. But, um, okay... um, uh, quick shift the topic I, I wanted to ask I've been doing some research and helping a friend out with a project um, who's looking at a, kind of the history of women in the jazz world both in Japan and the United States and, uh, I know that your career has you know you've collaborated with a lot of different people um, in and outside the jazz world um, have you seen have things gotten any better since you first entered into for the women? scene for women in the jazz okay, community okay so you know it was weird and then the whole Me Too movement happened and then all of these festivals started to like pledge to book 50 50 percent men and women 
and so forth. And Terry Lynn Carrington has these incredible initiatives. So actually the singer performing with us tonight, she's my mentee through the uh, New Music USA Next Jazz Legacy program. Oh, great. I was going to I was going to ask you about that. So That's yeah. She's she's my mentee. Fantastic. And I called her the first gig we did together was my album release. Wow. And, and Micaiah was like, are you sure you want to do that? You never worked with her. And I was like, I'm, I'm sure she'll be fine. I'm sure she's going to take it seriously. And she's incredible. Mm. So, so yeah, this is through that. This is, this is actually probably our last formal through mm. the program. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's amazing to come to Japan. I mean, I, you know. Yeah, um, she's never been here before. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool to be able to, you know. It's really, it's really cool. But, but part of me as can't well see this on the podcast. Feels, feels a little sad that it has to take women who've accomplished to be those mentors for younger female musicians i know but it's you know it as they say whatever it takes mm -hmm. you know um but i do think that with the festivals putting more of an effort forth it just starts to make them look for and see that there are some killing women musicians out there and they just weren't paying attention, you know? It's, it's easy to just overlook and overlook and overlook. I, I was reading in a previous interview you did that you yourself have done a lot of research into the history and, you know, previous musicians, not just Dorothy Aspie and the harp playing, but like, you make plans going forward to do projects similar to what like Terry and Carrington's doing to sort of look at the repertoire to go backwards, but also bring in younger musicians as well? You know, I don't know about doing something as massive as Terry Lynn Carrington. She's got the whole department at the school. You, you need she, that tenure position first. She's, she's, like, <laughs> yeah. she's like doing yeah. all the things, you mm. know, and really helping so many of us out. I was like, you're doing all the good work, like just doing it. Well, she said, I think she said that that's one reason she's kind of cut back on the touring is because, you know, she about to get a little tiring after a while, but yeah. also the amount of effort it takes to set all these things up is, is it's pretty a, it's a lot and I actually didn't understand the magnitude of it until I started to do some things with her and I was just like Jesus how 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 are you standing <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and you know so for me my brain has been really in because I'm a harpist and especially when it comes to like school and my focus has been especially teaching has been thinking about well the black harp community is really small, so it would be nice to spread that, but also stylistically, the students, they're still strictly classical. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to make them do a turn. And then with the jazz students, I'm trying to make them hear the instrument in the, you know, in the context and to write for it. So my focus has been not specifically on gender, but just in sort of opening the musician's eyes to the sound that can fit in. It's been very harp-centered, to be honest. Is, is the harp... It, it sounds, what you're describing, though, that there's a lot of things at play. And, I mean, I'm American, but I've not lived in the States for a very long time. But I, I know we've got gender in the jazz world. We've obviously got race in the jazz and the business world. In the harp world, in the classical, I would imagine you have both. Plus, you have a class issue as well, because I mean, Absolutely. little I know about classical music is that it's, it's very, very class-based in, yes. in some ways. So you're kind of fighting a lot of different angles here. Did you face a lot of that when you were a student? Yes, when I was younger, I, I felt like I led a triple life because I had mm -hmm. the classical and the orchestral stuff, and mm -hmm. I always, I always 
steered toward chamber music. That was my strongest point in mm-hmm. school. Orchestra was like, ah. but chamber music, and it, it makes perfect sense. I like playing in small groups. Everyone has a voice. Everyone can really shine, and, and you can really communicate with each other in a way that you can't with the large orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have that life that I kept separate from like my run in the jazz streets and the city life. And then I would be on hip hop sessions, doing recording sessions late at night in random producers' basements or studios. And But I, I wasn't comfortable bridging that together until much later. So yeah, I mean, I hang ups left and right. And even with my colleagues and my teachers, you have to do this this way. This has to happen this way. And you have to do these competitions and you have to do this and you have to do these auditions. And it's just like, I felt that I was being pushed in a direction that I didn't need to go knowing that I didn't aspire to have an orchestral career. And as a soloist, you don't, you can play whatever you want. A, a har- beautiful harpist, Ashley Jackson, just recorded a record, classical, but she played one of my compositions. That is not a classical piece, but it's mm. on solo harp and all the classical stations are playing. <laughs> no one else even knows about it, you know? So I guess is how, how the how the meal is delivered to you. Mm. And, and I mean, now in your career, like you mentioned, Micaiah um, Craven, I, I spoke with him a while back before COVID. And, and, but, you know, I remember when I first started getting into his music, thinking like, well, this guy's bringing in all, you know. And then when I talked with him, uh, he talked. He liked to talk. He was, he was, yeah, we ran out of time, actually, because he was, he was very, very um, articulate about all of the different things that he wanted to bring to the music, including that he comes from, you know, a background as well. There's mixed influences in yeah. his family and his community. And, you know, when I listen to his albums, when I listen to your album, I, I don't hear any walls at all. Th- and that's, I mean, that's, and that's why we're friends. Mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Right. We met back in college. He was in Springfield, Mass. Mm. I was in Connecticut. Um, but just genre, the whole genre thing. Why? Why? Mm. Why do we have right. to have these limitations? Right. You know, right. so working with him on this record was super easy because we know each other, mm-hmm. and and let's just make the music and let's just right. hash it out until we find something that we like. Well, I think we think we're gonna run out of time here, Brandy. It was great to talk with you. Uh, so excited to see the gig. Hope you come back again to play soon. I, I've heard that you guys have to fly back pretty quick, right? So we fly back tomorrow. You're just getting over the jet lag. And the yeah, weather. Yeah, we won't talk about the, yeah. <laughs> the sleep situation. Well, uh, congrats. Thanks so much. And um, you got anything uh, you'd like to say to uh, your Japanese audience? Thank you guys so much <laughs> for everything. Buy the record. And we hope to be back soon. That's great. Thanks so much, Brady, for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you.
That's great. From her latest album, Brand New Day, harpist Brandy Younger. A tune called Livin' and Lovin' My Own Way, featuring Pete Rock. Well, hope you enjoyed the interview that I did with her. I thought it was really interesting hearing about her career, uh, playing the harp in both the classical and jazz worlds and all that entails, and also how she sees herself as a musician and wants her music to be represented. Definitely looking forward to hearing more from her going forward. Um, one of the most interesting and really amazing musicians the last couple of years, and she put on a great set at the Blue Note last week. So thanks again to Brandy for her time and great chat. Okay, uh, up next, it's just about one year since Jamie Branch passed away at the horribly young age of 39. Uh, Jamie was a trumpeter and band leader, one of the more radical musicians that I discovered over the last couple years while prepping the OK Jazz show here. I really liked both her Antelope and Fly or Die band projects. Uh, well, Jamie's last recording has finally been released. It is called Fly or Die World War, and uh, wow, it is a knockout. Such a fabulously creative musician. It's just so sad that she left us so young. I, I don't think they ever officially released the cause for death, but it does seem that she struggled with substance abuse for several years. So just so awful. Another great artist taken away by that poison. You know, too many people have gone that way. Anyways, uh, but check this one out. This is from Jamie Branch with Fly or Die and a tune called Baba Louie.
Whoa, another beautiful, mysterious one there from Marudita de Col. We heard from her a few episodes back. She is from Greece. And Marudita's music is a modern take on the sounds of ancient pre-Christian Greece. This is a really good album. Slightly creepy too at times, but doesn't really sound like anything else that I've heard. I, I know that some reviewers have compared her to Enya. I kind of get that, but this album is, I think, a lot more evocative to me than anything that I've heard by Enya. So check it out. It's called Anasana, and it's on the always great Phantom Limb label. That's Marulita de Col from Greece. I believe she's based in Berlin now. Well, you've been listening to the OK Jazz Podcast, episode number 163. My apologies for the sound issues today. I had to very suddenly do a different setup for my recording. Well, it's time for me to get out here into the local streets. It is festival weekend here in my neighborhood of North Yokohama. You know, Japanese summer festivals are very intense. A lot of food stalls, games. Uh, the local neighborhood association may be carrying around the Mikoshi. That's where they take the portable shrine from one Shinto shrine to another, moving the gods. And uh, a lot of marching, singing, tons of alcohol. So it's always a hot, grimy, and very festive weekend indeed. And uh, this is the first one in four years. You know, they had to stop for three years because of COVID. And, uh, oh yeah, a special shout out to my dear OK Jazz Princess, my daughter. She turned 13 the other day. Sorry, honey, I still can't play any Taylor Swift here on the pod as I don't want to get busted for copyright infringement. Uh, you don't want to mess with Taylor Swift and her people. I think that they're going to win any battle that you get into. But, honey, if you're listening, I think you'll dig a lot of this music, too, one day. Don't forget, as always, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at MarkMrOKJazzTokyo. You can hear the show via iTunes, SoundCloud, KOLRadio.com, or TokyoJazzSite.com. The playlist is uh, visible at all those locations. You can email me directly at MrOKJazz at TokyoJazzSite. And if you're a Jazz Kisa fan... Check out the Tokyo Jazz Joints podcast. Our latest episode's a good one, covering three joints in the Tokyo area that we visited in April together. Let's go out with a new one from Daniel Villarreal, a percussionist and band leader, originally from Panama, but based in Chicago for many years now. He had one of my favorite albums last year, Panama 77. It was his debut as a leader. And this new one called Lados B, sounding really good too. It's a trio featuring guitarist Jeff Parker and bassist Anna Buttress. There's a little bit of an ambient tune here called Things Be Calm. I will be back in, I think, two weeks with the next edition of the pod. Until then, stay cool, stay hydrated, keep the good tunes flowing. Mina-san, o kiki tadaite, arigatou gozaimasu. Oaite wa James Kachipo deshita.